right, all right, all right, all right, all right. It's season five. Season five premiere of the Down South IT Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I welcome you. It's been a while. Had a good summer break. I hope all of y'all did too. Man, I'm glad to be back. Good God. It's been too long. It's been well too long. Again, thank you for joining me today. It's going to be a really good episode. And as always, coming to you live, well, somewhat from the heart of Cajun country in South Louisiana, where the only hurricanes that we despise are the ones that have no alcohol in them. So thank you for joining me today. This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark. If you need to catch up on anything, and I mean anything, having to do with the podcast, don't forget, hit up the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. You can find everything there, including all the back episodes, all the show prep. Everything's up there, including all the My Two Cents episodes, links to the videos, and actually posts of all my videos on YouTube. You can go check out the YouTube channel as well. Smash that subscribe button for you if you don't mind. Let me know you stopped in. Also, you can also find me on Facebook at Down South IT. And for that one, you can give me a follow. Let me know you stopped in. And also, that's where most of the announcements come in for product giveaways, different things like that, and also new episodes, new drops, new new videos. Most of the updates are going to go through Facebook. So if you want to be up to date on the podcast, that is the place to be. Now, I mentioned that today was going to be a good episode, and it is because we're going to be talking about SpaceX and not just SpaceX in the macro as far as all of the stuff they do, but I want to get into one important well, what I think is going to be very important later on program that they run, and that is going to be Starlink. And that program, I know most people have heard of it and they know SpaceX is kind of behind it. And, you know, some of the very odd and end stuff, but I just kind of want to run through what they what it's actually going to be about, what they're planning on doing with it. There's a whole bunch of stuff that a lot of people just don't know about it and exactly how it's going to work. So that's kind of what I want to go over today. And first things first, I want to give you a little bit of background on SpaceX itself. And then we can kind of get into Starlink and what their plans are and all of that. So first up, SpaceX is an American aerospace manufacturer and transportation company. They're headquartered out in Hawthorne, California, founded all the way back in 2002 by Elon Musk. And his basic goal was to reduce space transport costs to enable the colonization of Mars. He wants to go to Mars. That's his big shtick. And that's basically the main reason why they're developing so much stuff over there at SpaceX. He wants to go to Mars. And I'm assuming he's probably going to take his girlfriend and the new kid with him. That part is on him. I really don't know. But they've developed several launch vehicles, including the Starlink satellite constellation, which we're going to talk about later, the Dragon spacecraft, and a few Falcon rockets, a few other different things. But one of his goals, one of Elon Musk's goals, is basically to decrease the cost and improve the reliability of access to space. So he wants it to to where the average guy can go up into space. Well, maybe not so average because it's probably going to be very expensive, but it's out of reach for most people. And he wants to bring that down. And he's trying to get it down to basically $500 per pound of stuff that you can bring up there. If you weigh 150 pounds, 500 bucks per pound, that's a 
that'll be quite a penny for, you know, if you want to go up in orbit for a little while. But either way, all of the advancements that they're making, it's actually becoming kind of a reality. So they're actually doing a lot of really cool stuff on top of the Starlink program. The major goal for SpaceX has been to develop reusable parts. They want to be able to reuse their transport systems, their rockets, boosters, anything that they can reuse, they want to be able to reuse. And in fact, we got a really, really good idea of that whenever, not long ago, uh, I think it was March 31st, scratch that, that was actually May 31st, uh, whenever they did the Crew Dragon launch up to the International Space Station, which was SpaceX's, it was basically a demo of the you know the technology and to see if it could work for manned space travel between spacex nasa and the iss so the good thing is that went very very well in fact the day of this recording i'm recording on sunday they actually just came back and splashed down today both astronauts are fine so that that demo from falcon and dragon Pretty much a complete success all the way around. And they will be able to reuse a lot of the stuff that they brought up there. The capsule will be able to be reused. The Falcon 9 rocket itself is able to be reused. In fact, it it lands on its own platform out in the ocean. We saw video of it for the Crew Dragon launch. So basically, by the time that they got up to the ISS, SpaceX already had the Crew Dragon rocket already back on land and you know starting to take it apart and getting it ready for the next launch that's how fast the turnaround is on this kind of stuff and that's almost unheard of in space travel especially when you're dealing with nasa and you know granted these people are insanely smart they do things by the book they do not rush things at all I don't think anybody at NASA is worried about going too fast, okay? And that's definitely not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all because they want to get it right, and that's what they want to do with this also. So besides the Crew Dragon, Falcon Heavy, Falcon 9, the demo mission, the, the SpaceX has a lot going on right now. And on top of that, they have the Starlink Project. And speaking of that, the Starlink Project is going to be the is basically first and foremost a satellite-based internet system. And the idea of it is to have broadband internet available anywhere in the world with a grid of satellites that they're calling the Constellation. And this will provide internet access to places that either are too remote or it's been previously unavailable or it's just way too out the way for companies to invest the time and money and resources to actually run infrastructure to have some kind of internet signal where it is. So once everything is underway, the cost for access is gonna be roughly 80 to 100 bucks, which of course, things like that can change, but that's what I've heard and seen so far. But how exactly do they do that? Well, the kind to get the kind of coverage that they're talking about, they're gonna have to have a lot of satellites, a lot. And as of right now, we have about 1,500 of them in low Earth orbit. And that's low Earth orbit is about 340 miles up from the surface. Most normal satellites are between six and 700 miles, give or take. Kind of depends on you know what they're doing. 
But right now they got 1,500 of them, and that's not even the complete coverage they're looking to have. To have the complete coverage that they really want, the actual paperwork and everything that's filed with the FCC to, for all of the, the regulation side of it, they're actually going to use around 12,000 satellites. That's right, 12,000. So, But the good news is that all of these satellites are really small considering you know the size of what you think of as a satellite most most of the time you think satellite it's like you know you think size of a house or a little better or maybe even the size of a big car something like that no these are actually fairly small in in satellite size you know terms it's actually about the size of a kitchen table but it's about eight inches thick so think of it you know give or take six to seven feet by four feet by about eight inches thick so when when you're thinking about it that's really not that big granted they all do need to be powered they will have batteries on them but they do need to be powered so they do have a big solar panel on them and the whole thing weighs about 570 pounds so each satellite is about 570 pounds give or take it's a little more than that but rounded up it's close enough now Granted, there's a lot packed into these things. There's antennas, there's arrays, there's an engine actually on each one of them to where they can move it and, you know, get it, get it in plane. There's a lot of stuff going on with each of these satellites. But the good thing is that being that they're so small, they can deploy a lot of them at one time. So the Falcon 9 heavy rockets that they're sending up can do 50 to 60 of these at one time. So that's a lot more economical than, you know, the one to three satellites that most launches can take up that they take, like, say, a Soyuz capsule or, you know, some, one of the Chinese capsules or something like that. They can take one, maybe two, maybe three if they're small. But these are doing 50 to 60 at a time. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty good. I'd say that's a pretty good cost to weight ratio, if you ask me. Now, if you do want to see what these look like, I do have a picture of them on the show prep. You can go check it out on the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. It's right underneath the embedded player. You can just click the show prep link. All of the links for uh, Season 5 are going to be there. And if you want to check out past episodes by chance while you're there, look underneath at the bottom. They have the You can look for the link for the archives. That'll be everything from the first four seasons. You can check that out right there, too. Now, since Elon is very environmentally conscious and the whole SpaceX ecosystem basically is the starlink system is too when a satellite breaks right now or if we don't have use for it anymore or you know something craps out on it whatever two things happen well three things happen one it either stays there so it just keeps circling keep circling keep circling second thing is it could either degrade over time and fall back to earth on its own or it can go and they can bring it in as a controlled crash back to earth so that's one of the three things that it can that can happen thankfully the oceans are really big and that's where most of them land most of the time granted there are some times where some things fall where they're not supposed to like out in the middle of uh, australia for example is a really kind of funky area that they find a lot of space debris for some reason but most of the time they land in the oceans and that's actually good for us because it doesn't hit anybody. So Starlink is going to be different in that each satellite 
has its own engine. It's a small one, granted, but it is there is one there. And it's enough to send it back to Earth. And it being that it's so small, they burn up completely on their way back down into through the atmosphere. So there's not going to be anything hitting the hitting the surface at all. Everything will burn up right there in the atmosphere, so they won't have to worry about it. But by the time that that part needs to actually happen, SpaceX will have known about it, whether it was degrading, whether it was not working, whatever happens, and they can force it down in a controlled way. In fact, of the 1,200 to 1,500 satellites that are up there right now, there there's actually about eight or 10 of them that they already brought down. Uh, I did see a list of them on Wikipedia, and they have which one it was and when it got brought down. So they actually know which ones are where and which ones will be coming down. Once they get all of the satellites up, they get, say they get their, their 12,000 satellites up. Well, how's it going to work? Unfortunately, it's not going to be like you're able to just walk outside and join the Starlink Wi-Fi. That would be great if you could, but unfortunately, that's not quite how it's going to work. There are several companies right now that have satellite communication that goes directly to the device that's in your hand. But like, you know, for uh, satellite phones, for existence and a few other things. But Starlink is not going to be quite like that. It'll be linked to a flat user terminal. And that's going to be about the size of a pizza box. And that'll have a phased array antenna. And that'll be able to track the satellites and get the best you know, optimal signal from them from, from space. Now the terminals can be mounted pretty much anywhere. Uh, as long as you can see the sky, they got pictures of them that's been kind of popping up on the internet ever since, uh, June of this year. And they got a lot of people are calling them UFOs on a stick. Each one has motors to self adjust. So that once you install them, they'll figure out and do all of their stuff automatically. You won't have to do anything once it's there. Now, also on top of having, you know, the ground, uh, the user terminals and different things like that, they're going to be ground stations throughout the U.S. and throughout the world so that Internet traffic can be sent to more densely populated areas. That way, everybody that's using it won't have to have a dish attached to their house, their apartment, their business, anything like that. So you can get away with doing it without a dish. In a way, that would be a lot like kind of the main office of your ISP that you have now. You know, not not a whole lot is known right now exactly how they would get that Internet signal from the ground stations to, you know, homes and businesses and things like that. That really hasn't been discussed that I've seen, at least through any of my research. But I would assume it's probably either going to be over existing lines like coaxial line for your cable or phone lines through, you know, DSL or even. They may even set up their own towers and do, you know, like a large cover Wi-Fi, almost kind of like your four, you know, your 4G coverage. So even something like that may may come out. We don't know yet. We're just going to have to kind of wait and see how that, all of that shakes out. So right now, SpaceX actually has applications for 32 ground stations in the USA. Right now, they only have approval for five of them in five states. So. They're still well in the process of trying to get all of this laid out. It's still really early as far as how everything wants to work. So they're still getting a lot of stuff lined up on not only up in space, but on the ground. Now, I did mention earlier that the surface is going to be broadband. 
So what exactly can you expect as far as speed, you know, coming from a satellite? Well, the initial goal is going to be 100 megabytes per second. And to be honest, most cable providers, their base package is usually 50. So that's double what you're getting from cable. Once everything gets started up and everything, they can actually go on. They're they're thinking they should be able to get up to almost one gig. So that would pretty much serve just about anybody right now. I mean, granted, they might have some heavy users that may need to go faster. But to be honest, that's probably enough for 95 percent of everybody, at least in the U.S. I can only say for us for sure, because that's what I know and what I'm assuming everybody else may be different. I'm not sure exactly, you know, what speeds uh, y'all are running outside the U S maybe, maybe more, maybe less, not hundred percent sure on that, but let me know, you know, send me a note, uh, down South it at gmail.com. You can let me know that way I can kind of update everybody. Cause I'm kind of interested to find out about that. Actually. Now, what's your average download and upload speed? You know, if you want, send me a note, just uh, let me know your averages, you know, where you're from. That way I can kind of see where, where you're at and we can kind of get an idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely interested on that now. Anyway, back to what I was talking about. The big factor with Starlink and basically any kind of satellite communication is going to be latency. Latency is the, the big, big problem that you have with any kind of satellite. And latency is basically the lag time of the Internet. So it's basically from the time that you click on something to the time that whatever you clicked actually starts to download or it starts to open that web page or, you know, the, it's that, that kind of lag in between the, the click and the actual operation starting. That's the problem that most satellite has because you have to send the signals so far. Starlink recently happened to prove, they had to prove that the system was fast enough to be able to deliver a low latency signal. Now, just per just for perspective, the normal latency for regular, you know, terrestrial internet, cable or otherwise, is going to be anywhere between eight and twenty milliseconds. So it's still not not slow, not yeah, not at all. And for satellite-based stuff, it's normally around four hundred milliseconds. So you can see the disparity there. Okay, now. Starlink is claiming that they're going to be able to get their latency between 15 and 25 milliseconds, which is going to be the same, you know, roughly the same as terrestrial based Internet. But it's a little bit slower, but it's not it's nothing. To, it's, we, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a, a jump. OK, to be honest, for satellite communication, that's pretty damn good. Now, the FCC had set a goal of 100 milliseconds of latency to be able to qualify for a funding grant and that funding grant, they did their test and everything. Now I have, I'd looked for two days to find out what the, what the result of that was. Now I know that they did get the go ahead to keep going with the Starlink program. So they must've gotten below a hundred, but I did not find the actual, I wish I could have, I really do. <laughs> But I, I trust me, I searched. I could not find it. I'm going to assume that it was less than 100 because otherwise they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have got the contract in the go ahead. So either way, no matter what, 100 is a lot better than 400. And if they were better than that, then, hey, my hat's off to them. 
Now, really and truly, it has not been all sunshine and rainbows for the Starlink program. Okay, they've had a lot of different things that came up, and there's a few people that really don't like it so far. And most of those people being astronomers and, you know, radio astronomers. Because there's going to be so many more satellites up in orbit. In fact, there's there's already call for for the Starlink project to be halted by some of the astronomers because all of the Starlink satellites that are going across are starting to mess up the, all of their, their pictures and some of their experiments and stuff like that. The radio astronomers are getting worried that all of the signal transmission from Starlink to back to Earth is going to mess with their data and, and stuff like that because they work on radio waves. So they're, they're trying to figure out exactly if that's going to interfere with any of their research. And it's just, as far as that goes, it's been a cluster. And if you can, if you go check out the show prep, I actually have a picture up of what the Starlink satellite, they look like as far as a uh, time, a time-lapse photo taken by some astronomers, because that way you can kind of see the stars in the background. And then there's just white lines across going across the field of view. And I can I can understand why they they're annoyed. Okay, I can really understand why they're annoyed because that's a lot of different things going on. There's a lot more stuff up there that they have to try to see through. Now, granted, at least Elon has stated that they're going to try to fix some of the stuff. If there's certain areas that you know there's a very important experiment that they're trying to do they can actually take the satellites and spread them apart change the orbits of some of the satellites to give it the astronomers a better view or you know more wide open view they're trying he's trying to work with them at least in you know in some sense and they also on i think the last mission or the one before the last one they actually sent up one of the starlink satellites that had a different paint job on it that's supposed to keep it from being so reflective so at least that way, even if they're zipping up there and they can, they can, you know, nobody's going to be able to see them. They won't show up on any of the time-lapse photography or anything like that. So at least it's something that they did here and that they're working on. Granted, it might not happen all at once and it probably won't, but at least for the time being, they're actually listening to some of the people and some of the astronomers and stuff like that, taking their criticism and their gripes into account and at least trying to do something to fix the problem now at the top of the show i mentioned that i think this is going to be very important later on and here's why having the ability to be able to basically just plant a dish in your backyard and get internet signal for a decent cost is going to be something that's going to basically throw every isp and every other provider on their face because now no matter where you are there's no coverage limit there's not going to be any coverage limit so it won't be okay you can cover this block but not my block it won't be you're too far away from the box to get this this service it's basically set this out in the backyard and you're good to go that's going to turn the industry up on its head now the one caveat I would have with that is depending on how many people are on it, does that will that increase 
you know, lag time? Will that increase? Or will we keep that same bandwidth as we're going, you know, throughout and using this system? That's um, I'm assuming they take that into account. I would hope they take that into account. But the only way to really know for sure is if you have several hundred thousand or several million clients at one time and to see what kind of traffic you're looking at. At that point, you know, then you can call it as either good enough or completely and utterly horrible. But like I said, most of this is going to be scalable. I, I really think that they're, it's going to be scalable. So the more people that are on it, the better or more bandwidth that they're going to pump in. So I, I really think this is going to be something very good for us later on. But I do know that it's going to be this Starlink project. It's ambitious as hell. It's a $10 billion project. It's ambitious as hell. But if it works and he pulls this thing off, he's going to change a lot. This, this is going to change things a lot as far as how we interact with the Internet and doing things in our daily life. I can guarantee you it's going to get a lot crazier than it is now. And to be honest, I'm kind of on the edge of my seat waiting to see exactly how this is going to happen. Kind of like a giddy little schoolgirl. We're going to have fun with this. So, <laughs> so thank you all for listening. I really and truly missed being up here with you guys and, you know, just being able to sit and talk. This break has been kind of brutal in that way. I did, you know, I've done some of the My Two Cents episodes and different things like that, but it it's not quite the same as being able to get in depth with something like this, doing the podcast. So it is amazing to be back. And I'm thankful to be back again. Thank you for, for listening. And don't forget, hit up the website down South You can hit up just about anything on there, different videos, the show prep. If you want to see what these Starlink satellites look like and plus all of the archives for all of the past episodes, you can listen to all of the past episodes and all of my two cents clips, everything else right there on the, the homepage in the embedded player. You can also check me out on Facebook at Down South IT. You can also check out all the videos up on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button for me if you don't mind while you're there. And as I like to end every podcast, a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard, technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all again for listening. You guys are the best. I love you. I'll see you next time right here on the Down South IT Podcast. Later.